Good morning, this is 5 at 8. Today's Thursday, June 15th, 2023, and here's Linda Carlisle and Mark Overman with today's top news. In this episode, we'll talk about Donald Trump facing 31 violations of the U.S. Espionage Act, the European Parliament passing the AI Act, Taiwan's Me Too movement, the evacuation of over 100,000 people in India and Pakistan ahead of Cyclone Bhaiparjoy, and Ukraine's counteroffensive against Russia's occupying forces. Story number one. According to the BBC, Donald Trump is facing 31 violations of the U.S. Espionage Act, a law passed in 1917 that broadly criminalizes the mishandling of government records relating to national defense. While some Republicans argue that Trump should not be charged under the act because he is not a foreign spy, prosecutors say that he held on to hundreds of pages of sensitive information at two of his resorts, even after being asked repeatedly to hand everything over to the National Archives. The part of the law referenced by the special counsel's indictment in Trump's case does not require prosecutors to prove that he knew the information he possessed could harm national security interests but rather that any reasonable person would understand the harm it could do. Good grief, Linda. This news about Trump being charged under the Espionage Act is quite a shocker. I mean, I understand he's not a foreign spy, but it seems like this law is being stretched to cover a lot of ground these days. Yes, Mark, it's definitely a surprising development. The Espionage Act has indeed evolved in its application since its inception in 1917. Originally intended to target political dissidents and peace activists, it has since been used against whistleblowers and journalists, and now a former president. Right. And we've seen cases like Daniel Ellsberg, Edward Snowden, and Julian Assange all charged under this act. It's interesting to see how it's being used in different contexts. Do you think this reflects changes in national security concerns or the political climate? Well, Mark, I believe it's a combination of both. National security concerns have certainly evolved over the years, with the rise of digital information and the ease with which it can be accessed and disseminated. However, the political climate also plays a role, as the interpretation and enforcement of the Espionage Act can be influenced by the priorities and agendas of those in power. That's a good point, Linda. And let's not forget the Rosenberg case in the 1950s, where they were put to death for violating the act. It's a stark reminder of the severity of the penalties involved. Absolutely, Mark. The Rosenberg case highlights the harsh consequences that can result from being charged under the Espionage Act. It's important to consider the societal and legal implications of this act's changing application and to question whether its expanded use has brought about unintended consequences. Yeah, it's definitely a complex issue. I guess we'll have to see how Trump's case unfolds and what it means for the future of the Espionage Act. Thanks for sharing your insights, Linda. You're welcome, Mark. It's always a pleasure to discuss these important topics with you. Story number two. In a report from Al Jazeera, the European Parliament has passed the AI Act to address concerns about the risks posed by artificial intelligence. The law would prohibit systems that are deemed to pose unacceptable threats to human lives. But some fear that regulation could hinder innovation and lead to conflicts between European governments and U.S. tech giants who are investing heavily in AI. Well, Linda, the European Parliament passing this draft law on artificial intelligence is definitely a big deal. It's clear that they're trying to strike a balance between fostering AI advancements and ensuring responsible ethical development. But, you know, there's always that concern about stifling creativity and innovation. What's your take on this? 
That's true, Mark. It's a delicate balance, indeed. The draft law aims to address the potential risks that AI systems could pose to human lives, but it could also put European governments at odds with U.S. tech giants who are heavily investing in AI. It's important to find a middle ground where we can encourage AI development while also implementing ethical guidelines and regulations. Absolutely, Linda. And you know, this isn't the first time we've seen new technology raise ethical concerns and spark regulatory attempts. Just think about the early days of the Internet or even the introduction of automobiles. It's like history repeating itself, but with AI this time around. That's an interesting point, Mark. We can learn from historical cases to better understand how to approach AI regulation. And it's not just governments that have a role to play here. Industry players, academic institutions, and individuals all have a responsibility in shaping the future of ethical AI. Collaboration and open dialogue are key to finding the right balance. You hit the nail on the head, Linda. Collaboration is the name of the game. It's not just about creating rules and regulations, it's about fostering a culture of responsibility and accountability within the AI community. If we can get everyone on board, we'll be well on our way to ensuring a bright and ethical future for AI. Definitely, Mark. And as we move forward, it's crucial to keep monitoring the impact of these regulations, as well as the advancements in AI, to ensure that we're adapting and evolving our approach to strike that right balance between innovation and ethical responsibility. Story number three. According to the BBC, Taiwan is experiencing a surge of sexual harassment and assault allegations after a Netflix show called Wavemakers, which has been credited with sparking a local Me Too movement. Over 90 people have come forward in the past two weeks, accusing individuals across the island, including doctors, professors, sporting umpires and YouTubers. The allegations have spread beyond politics, initially the focus, with senior officials from the ruling Democratic Progressive Party, DPP, resigning. The wave of allegations has prompted President Tsai Ing-wen to apologize and vow reform. The Me Too moment has come at a critical period in Taiwanese politics, with the island gearing up for a presidential election next January. It's incredible how a Netflix show like Wavemakers has ignited a Me Too movement in Taiwan, huh? Over 90 people have spoken out in just the past two weeks, and it's not just limited to politics. It's spread across various industries. Absolutely, Mark. It's a testament to the power of media in raising awareness and encouraging people to share their experiences. It's crucial for society to have open conversations about these issues, and media can play a significant role in facilitating that. Definitely, and it's fascinating how a single scene in the show became the catalyst for this wave of allegations. It shows how impactful storytelling can be in inspiring people to take action and seek justice. Yes, and it's important to recognize that this movement goes beyond just individual cases. It's about addressing the systemic issues that have allowed sexual harassment and assault to persist in various industries and sectors. Right on, Linda. And with Taiwan being praised for its progressive politics and commitment to gender equality, it's a bit surprising that it took a TV show to ignite this movement. But... Better late than never, I guess. Indeed, Mark. It's also a reminder that no society is immune to these issues, and continuous efforts are needed to ensure a safe and respectful environment for everyone. The fact that President Tsai Ing-wen has apologized and vowed for reform is a positive step. Absolutely. And it's interesting to see how this Me Too movement unfolds in Taiwan, especially with the upcoming presidential election. It'll be crucial for the government and political parties to follow through on their promises for change and not let this momentum fade away. That's true, Mark.
The impact of this movement will depend on the actions taken by individuals, organizations, and the government in the long run. It's essential to keep the conversation going and work towards creating a society that truly values and respects everyone's rights and dignity. Story number four. According to The Guardian, more than 100,000 people have been evacuated from coastal areas in India and Pakistan ahead of Cyclone Biparjoy, which is expected to make landfall on Thursday evening. The storm, whose name means disaster in Bengali, is a very severe cyclonic storm that could bring powerful winds, storm surges, and lashing rains to a 325 km stretch of coast between Mandvi in India's Gujarat state and Karachi in Pakistan. Human-caused climate change has increased the occurrence of the most intense and destructive tropical cyclones, though the overall number a year has not changed globally. Man, this cyclone Biparjoy situation is really, uh, quite the disaster. Over 100,000 people evacuated in India and Pakistan. It's just heartbreaking to see the impact of these severe storms on so many lives. Yes, it's truly devastating. And it's important to remember that human-caused climate change has played a significant role in increasing the intensity of these cyclones. Warmer oceans provide more energy, which in turn produces stronger storms. Absolutely, Linda. And it's not just the storms themselves, but the aftermath, too, like the flooding and the destruction of crops, homes, and infrastructure. It's a domino effect that can wreak havoc on people's lives for months or even years. That's true, Mark. And it highlights the importance of effective evacuation and disaster management strategies. Learning from past experiences, such as Typhoon Haiyan in the Philippines, can help governments and communities better prepare for and respond to these events. Yeah, and speaking of preparedness, I think it's worth mentioning the role of international cooperation in all this. When disasters like Cyclone Biparjoy strike, it's crucial for countries to work together to provide aid, share resources, and support one another. I couldn't agree more, Mark. Collaborative efforts can make a significant difference in mitigating the impacts of these disasters. Additionally, we must continue to focus on adaptive solutions and address climate change with urgency as it's the root cause of the increasing intensity of these storms. Story number five. According to the BBC, Ukraine has launched a counteroffensive to retake territory from Russia's occupying forces. Officials claim to have taken seven settlements in the eastern Donetsk region and at least 90 SQKM since starting their counteroffensive earlier this month. Russia has stepped up missile attacks on cities across Ukraine, including Kiev, Odessa, and President Zelensky's home city of Kriviri. The UN says Russia is yet to provide the safety guarantees we need to cross the front line to the left bank of the Dnipro River to help people affected by severe flooding in southern Ukraine, following 6 June's major breach of the Kakovka Dam on the Dnipro River. You know, Linda, this Ukraine counteroffensive is really showing some promise. I mean, they're making modest gains in the eastern Donetsk and southeastern Zaporizhia regions. It's a testament to their determination and resilience in the face of Russian aggression. That's true, Mark. But we can't ignore the fact that Russia has been stepping up missile attacks on cities across Ukraine, including Kiev, Odessa, and Kriviri. The human cost of this conflict is only growing, and it's incredibly concerning. Absolutely, Linda. The situation is heartbreaking. But I think it's important to recognize the progress Ukraine is making. They've taken back several settlements and even raised their flag in some areas. It's a small victory, but it shows they're not backing down. I understand your point, Mark. 
But we also need to consider the humanitarian disaster unfolding due to the destruction of the Kakovka Dam. Thousands of people have been displaced, and both sides are blaming each other for the dam's destruction. It's a complex situation, and I'm not sure if these territorial gains can really be seen as a turning point in the conflict. I get what you're saying, Linda. But we've seen throughout history that even small territorial shifts can have a huge impact on the outcome of a conflict. Look at World War I, for example, where advances and stalemates played a crucial role in the war's progression. That's true, Mark. But we also need to remember the role of humanitarian crises in shaping conflicts. The Rwanda genocide and the Syrian civil war are prime examples of how these crises can change the course of a conflict and its resolution. The situation in Ukraine is far from black and white. You're right, Linda, it's not black and white, but I think it's important to stay optimistic and support Ukraine's efforts to regain control. At the same time, we can't forget the crucial role that NATO and international organizations like the UN play in navigating these complex geopolitical dynamics. Agreed, Mark. It's essential for the international community to stay engaged and work together to address the humanitarian crisis and support peace efforts. Let's just hope that the situation improves soon for the sake of all those affected by this devastating conflict. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.